Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame for it's one, two, three strikes you out at the old ball game. Welcome to Let's Get Two, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. And welcome to Let's Get Two. I'm your host, James Christopher, and we've got a packed show for you today because today is June 15th. I'm going to finish this recording, hopefully get this uploaded today, and then I'm going to watch some baseball in America. That's right, American baseball is back. We are finally going to get live games with fans out of Bismarck, North Dakota in the Northwoods League, and they're letting people watch for free. So we'll include in the description of this podcast the link to watch baseball. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking to the Colonels League out of Normal, Illinois, about their four-team pod. We're going to be talking to Andrew Feltz, longtime friend of the show, from the Round Rock Harry Men, as he talks about their entry into the Texas Collegiate League. And then our good friends from the Sugarland Skaters are here to talk about their pod system that's going on down there in Sugarland. So all of a sudden, there's baseball. And I was thinking about that with all of the drama surrounding the Major League Baseball Players Union and the Major League owners. And good friend of the show who will be on a little later on to talk about the movie Summer Catch, Andrew Feltz, pointed out on Twitter that everybody keeps complaining about baseball coming back. And the fact is baseball's coming back. Major League Baseball isn't coming back, but Major League Baseball isn't the end-all be-all to baseball in this country. And I want people, I mean, obviously I have an entire show dedicated to that fact. I've not hidden the fact that this show is really about just about every other level of baseball outside of the major leagues. It just is. And so I want to talk a little bit about a tweet that Andrew sent about MLBs, not baseball. Now, I'm not a basketball fan, but I understand that there's there's college basketball and then there's NBA. And then I know that the, there's like the D League or the G League. I don't know what it's called now, but it doesn't have that same minor league feel as minor league baseball does. The NFL is, is, is the pro football league and college is the amateur and there is no developmental mental league. And every time they try one, it fails. Baseball's different. Baseball thrives at all levels of the sport in all levels of towns. Collegiate summer league baseball is big, but independent baseball is big too. And and affiliated minor league baseball is huge. These, these, these games have fans and they have, they have strong attendance. They have a following. And I think we're going to see some of these levels of baseball take advantage of the arguing that's going on with the major league players and see them really push forward and see them develop into something that people are watching. The thing is, I would tell people is, I think everybody's afraid of this like drastic drop in quality of the game. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you and say that watching Sugarland play the York Revolution is going to be the same as watching the Astros play the Yankees. And I mean, it, it isn't, but the difference is small, particularly when the dip went, when it's like player versus like player, you think about the quote in bull Durham that we refer to all the time on the show is that the difference between hitting 250 and 300 is one fly ball a week, one flare, one, one ground ball with eyes that whatever the quote is, the difference is negligible, particularly in comparison to the difference in other sports. So instead of, you know, complaining that baseball isn't back. Embrace the fact that the sport is still here with us and that you actually get to, in many ways, watch it in its purest form. Players that are hungry, players that are fighting, players that are doing their best to try to make it to that next level and live that dream. And, you know, as an independent filmmaker in Austin, Texas, 
there's nothing about that that I don't that doesn't appeal to me because I do know what it's like to be kind of fighting uphill in an industry that's really unforgiving. So it's not maybe not what you want. Maybe you want to be out at the big league ballpark, but quite frankly, with coronavirus, who feels fully safe to crowd forty thousand people in the Minute Maid Park right now? I don't. But I'm definitely flying to Bismarck to watch the 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 larks and the flicker tails and the bull moose. And I'm definitely going to normal Illinois to watch the Colonel League double headers every night. How great is that? On deck, the Let's Get To interview of the week brought to you by Fine Line Sportswear. And we're excited to welcome on deck on Let's Get To Matt Durkin. Matt is the director of ticket sales for the normal Corn Belters and a big part of the new Colonels League. Matt, how's it going, man? Good. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing good. It's it's Austin, Texas, and I've gone from having all the baseball scheduled to no baseball scheduled to now I've got a trip some trips again. I'm stoked. Yeah, I saw you guys have a new college league down there in Texas forming too. So we're just happy to play baseball, and it, we even got some warm weather like Texas does instead of like the dreary fifty <laughs> degrees and rainy type of weather we're used to here in Illinois. I would take the 50 degrees today. Um, so tell me a little <laughs> bit about you. Like, how did you get into baseball in the first place and end up working for the Corn Belters? Yeah, so I actually grew up in the suburbs of Chicago in a small town called Woodridge, Illinois. Um, because of that, I've been a diehard Cubs fan my whole life growing that up. That ends the interview. Uh, we're really – sorry, just kidding. <laughs> hey, no, that, that should just get started, get the ball rolling here. But, um, yeah, I grew up loving the team in the Mark Pryor, Sammy Sosa, Kerry Wood days and the – late 90s early 2000s and then unfortunately that ended their run with Bartman but um, yeah after that just grew up continuing to love the Cubs and when I was a sophomore in college I started looking for internships in baseball um, could have gone all over the country but being at school at Illinois State it was the best option for me to just stay down here in normal um, it's about a five or ten minute drive to the corn crib here from campus so it just worked out for me perfectly and kind of just stuck uh, with the team ever since. So I got to show you the sweatshirt I just happened to have on. <laughs> um, and so, no, it's funny because you mentioned Kerry Wood, who was a Texan. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously he had that game, 20 strikeouts against one of the best lineups in the history of baseball. But I, oh, took, yeah. a, I took a tour to um, – I was covering the um, – the Chicago Dogs last year. Okay. And I took a tour of Wrigley the morning of, and and we're going through, and this and the tour guide goes, hey, he looks at me, goes, you know what that that KW20 flag means? And I was like, yeah, I know. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, tell me a little bit about the Corn Belters first, and just what role do they play like in normal and, and, and kind of in that community? Um, by the way, the park looks beautiful, by the way. The yeah, it's a great venue. Um, Corn Belters are big in the community and just central Illinois itself. So we have a great partnership set up with the Illinois corn farmers. Um, so everywhere you look around the stadium, you'll see corn wherever you go. It's a great way to promote the team and the area itself being in the Corn Belt region of the Midwest here. So um, it's a great venue. The team plays a huge role in the community with everything from just community relations and marketing to just giving people a little thing to do during the summertime because I know the community itself is a little slower during the summer when school isn't in session here with ISU, Illinois Wesleyan and Heartland Community College. Um, but it's just a great place to go, have a night out and just watch some baseball and chill with friends and family. You know, like um, a lot of the audience of our audience is going to be new to what a collegiate summer league is. Can you give just real quick elevator pitch of why collegiate summer ball is so important. And I think it's interesting because of this – the, the, I don't know if you watched the MLB draft the last two nights, but oh yeah, I feel like they talked more collegiate summer league than they ever have because they weren't able to draft high school kids really this time around. Yeah, so it's, it's a great new format of baseball. Beforehand, you only would have minor league and independent league ball. Um, but because of this, you do get the option to promote some college guys that might have been undervalued or underscouted. Um, based on the school they're at. So we do get a lot of guys that are D2, D3, and JUCO baseball players. It's just a great way to market them, um, help their stock value. And you see more and more teams pop up with this format across the country because um, it's a lot more financially stable. Mm -hmm. But 
the thing we like are the players are young. They still have that love for the game and baseball, and they're just going to come out day in and day out, interact with the fans, have a great time, and it's just great. You see the Madison Mallards and Savannah Bananas. They pretty much saw every game, and they have that college wood bat format. And the talent-wise is there, too. I know a lot of people complain that, hey, it's college kids. They're not professional baseball players yet. Um, I think I saw the Kalamazoo Growlers in the Northwoods League. They had five guys drafted in the first five rounds last night. So yeah, the talent's definitely there, um, and they're just getting their next step in the door, and we're just trying to help them get there. I think that I think it's a great point, though. I, I think the difference between baseball at all level, whether you're talking about single A or collegiate or independent, I think when for people that only watch Major League Baseball, I think if I say, well, I'm going to go watch the Round Rock Express or I'm going to go watch, you know, the normal Corn Belters, they think it's like I'm going to go watch the XFL. But when you're watching it, it doesn't – the difference between that and MLB-level competition, it's an eyelash. It's so narrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have a, guy, a few guys that – they might be able to shoot the ball the other way another 20 feet, or you might have a few pitchers that their curveball breaks a little bit more. They can throw five miles an hour fastball, but still baseball. It's great competition. And one of the things we're really excited about here with our Colonels League is all of our players are going to be centrally Illinois, central Illinois located. So that doesn't mean per se that they live here, um, but they could be from here. So the Bloomington Normal, Peoria, Springfield area. Or they could even just play college ball here and spend a good chunk of their summer. So you are going to see that premier local talent in central Illinois. It's something we're excited about, too, because we can really help the community get to see the players they grow up with and help promote them to the MLB draft or that whether they do go to independent ball or go undrafted. Um, and we're just trying to help promote them so the community can get their first glimpses of our local talent if they haven't already seen them at like the local parks or um, youth ball leagues in town. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Colonels league. So we all know that we are dealing with COVID-19, but we also recognize that where you guys are and even where Texas is, we're not dealing with the same conditions as say New York and LA. Mm -hmm. So how did the whole Colonels league come to be in the first place? Yeah. So we found out about, probably a month ago at this time that the prospect league wasn't likely going to happen. Um, So we're just trying to figure out things financially we can do to make us more profitable um, and try and level that curve of not taking such a big hit going into the 21 season. Um, And one of our owners who's president of operations here in Normal, his name's Matt Stembridge, he came up with this idea because he's seen a few teams um, have it or towns across the country have it. So I know there's a big one in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and he thought, hey, why not just try and lay this out? We'll try to promote it the best we can. And that's how we started, got going with it. And once the news of the Prospect League officially broke that we wouldn't be playing, um, it's been full throttle on the gas the last few days. We haven't really had time to sleep or anything like that, but it's been really exciting to see um, just how one idea in a meeting that was kind of just like a pitch in the air, hey, well, if we did this and the community and even the nation's um, interest in it, like we put out a tweet this morning just saying, hey, where are you from? Have you heard of the Colonels League? And we even got interest from El- Alaska ball places. So wow. it's not just the central Illinois thing. We're going all the way up to where moose and beavers live. So it's pretty cool to see. <laughs> I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the logistics of it. So you guys have created, there's going to be four teams. What are the four teams that are going to be playing? So we're obviously going to have the Corn Belters as one of them. And then our ownership group actually owns the O'Fallon Hoots and okay. the Quincy Gems in the Prospect League as well. So those two teams will be participating. Um, there's a wide people believe that they're the actual gems in the hoots playing. So those players are actually dropped from their college contracts within the prospect league. Um, So it's pretty much just name and title of the team themselves. And then we also have the Bloomington Bobcats who have been a team in the Midwest collegiate league for as long as I can remember, they'll be participating too. So we have four teams. Um, They'll play each a 30 game schedule only on Wednesdays through Sundays with double headers every single game night taking place at 5.30, with game two taking place around 7.30 p.m. 
Are we playing nine innings doubleheaders or seven? So they will be seven. Okay. Just to try and keep that interest level up. A lot of our people at our games are family, so we try to get the games moving a little bit so they can get home too. Well, plus if you're doing double headers, that's a, that's a long night for your staff. Yeah, you're for sure. 18 innings a night. Um, hey, I'll, I, I'm so stoked. So um, <laughs> are y'all going to have like gear for sale for all the, all the teams? Like, cause I'm a big, you can see, I, I need to bring home all four, four teams. Four big teams. merch guy there. I'm a yeah, big merch so, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we will have at least one shirt and one hat option available for each of the four teams. Bringing some more corn ball tours merchandise that we had already ordered in preparation for the season. And then we're trying to get a few hats and shirts that just have the kernels emblem and the list of names of all four teams on it as well. So we'll have everything you can think of available for you at our team store. Well, I can't wait. So Matt, as we kind of wrap up, what's something you want, you know, we have a pretty big reach. What do you want people to know about the, the kernels league and why should people be excited? We just want them to come out and watch some baseball. Um, something that we thought we could take for granted. Yeah. And unfortunately with the pandemic the last few months, that hasn't been the case. So we just want people to be safe. We do have a ton of COVID protocols and safety guidelines in place listed on our website. So if they're ever worried or interested about those, they can check them out. But we're just trying to be a great resource in the central Illinois community. Um, and even for people in Chicago and St. Louis, like you have your friends coming up to just have a night out, watch baseball, get some fresh air and just try and get back to that normalcy thing that has been lacking pretty much most of 2020. Lights, camera, play ball, inside baseball cinema. And as we continue talking about Collegiate Summer League, we're going to talk about the best movie about Collegiate Summer League baseball. Joining me with is our film guy, Andrew Nelson. Andrew, your first time seeing Summer Catch. I'm going yeah. to read the first word. All right. Um, <clears throat> I have to admit, I was not particularly optimistic going into this movie. Um, but... I thought it was okay. Um, I, I know you love it, and I didn't hate it. Uh, there were definitely things that I really I didn't like about it. Um, I thought it was a good portrayal of probably what the experience is like for these guys. Um, yeah, what it's like for young men trying to uh, get some attention and experience as amateur baseball players and amateur at being young men. Yeah. And, um, you know, what collegiate baseball is like, and a lot of people don't know anything about collegiate summer league. So I think anything that brings attention to it is really good. Um, I didn't know anything about it until I lived in a town that had it. And uh, it's really what brought me back into baseball. So I have a really deep affection for collegiate summer league myself. Um, I think the baseball in it looked pretty good for the most part. Um, some of the pitcher mechanics and, and batting was better with some of the actors than others. Yeah. Um, it, it looked pretty decent overall. And, um, you know, I, I think it was a, a fun movie. What didn't work for you? Because I, um, and maybe it's because I've seen it so much that when I put it on, I don't expect to be moved. I expect simply to laugh. Sure. Uh, so what, what just, what didn't work for you, I guess? Uh, I mean, it gets a little cringy at a couple points. Um, there's a lot of fat jokes in that movie, which. Okay. Yeah. So if you're, yeah, I think definitely, although, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm like, as someone who's not thin anymore, um, <laughs> I at least like the fact that the fat jokes end with him standing up for himself or the fact that he likes a certain kind of person. Like I do think sure. there's something strangely progressive about that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't entirely negative. And I, I like that the, the quote unquote fat girl wasn't just like Hollywood. I mean, she, you know, wasn't a really large person. <laughs> right. Wasn't, you know, just a not model thin person, you know, yeah. So I did appreciate that about it. Um, one thing I really appreciated was that, so, you know, obviously this movie didn't win any awards, 
But one of the things I think it did really well was that um, the kids were awkward with each other and that like Jessica Beale's character was awkward <laughs> with, yeah. with, 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 um, oh man. Uh, Freddie Prince. Yes. I almost called him James Vanderbeek. <laughs> Different nineties. Different nineties actor. Yeah, for sure. So I, mean, I really enjoyed that. I liked that she kind of like took the first move and, and took on some kind of like roles and dialogue that would have been male in a lot of movies. Like, mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of funny and fun to watch. Um, I really enjoyed the music. It really took me back. Uh, it, it really tickled me that there was a semi-sonic song on the, on the movie soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really like the clothes. I, I want to say, you know what I like? I like how much you're trying. You really are. You are, you are giving <laughs> the old college try. Um, the funny part is, like, it's got a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so, oh, it's not that bad. Well, no, Rotten. Tom- Don't get my filmmaker hat about Rotten Tomatoes being inherently flawed <laughs> and a bad metric that's really driven down the quality of um, film criticism. Let's sure. say that. Um, to me, like I think you, I think you're right. I think it's a very um, sophomoric, which I think sometimes works. Like I'm an American Pie guy, so I get it. Yeah. Um, I know that the people of Chatham do not like the film. They were pretty upset actually when it came out. Yeah. Cause it's a little too skirt chasey. I, I do <laughs> want to throw something at you though. Not from that has anything to do with the movie, but you know, this is all breaking news and, and you're one of the most educated baseball people. Um, I do talk on the show or I'm going to talk to the show in the closing about this Yankees letter. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know if you saw that they, on the one hand are claiming it's nothing, but are still saying they don't want it sealed. You and I are both educated, smart people. What are your first brushes of blushes about this? A, should we care? And what should the impact be, particularly with Yankee fan with sure. this, this whole thing? Uh, I doubt it's going to have any impact on Yankee fans at all. Um, I mean, they got 27 rings, bro, or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just 27 ringed me. Um, you know, like they'll, they'll always have stuff that they can brag on and, you know, ignore any sort of criticism or, or bad things that ever come up with the Yankees. So Yankee fans will be fine no matter what. And, and they'll still manage to find a way to have a chip on their shoulder. Um, as not a Yankee fan, as, uh, to be honest, a Yankee hater, um, Apologetically, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see something happen, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, obviously, the league watches out for the Yankees. They think they're a cash cow, and you know, not unfairly. They're they're a, they have a big national following. Um, but they got they got to stop treating the Yankees and the Dodgers and you know those big teams as as something different than the other teams, as, as something special, as, as baseball. Like, the Yankees aren't baseball. They're not, they're not even major league baseball. They're, they're a big team and they make a lot of money, but there's a whole lot of other teams out there. There's a whole lot of people in this country that don't give a crap about the Yankees. Um, I saw Joe Torre was crying about how uh, he thought the Yankees didn't get recognized enough for, for 1998. And I just, just about... <laughs> when i heard that the mcguire sosa year yeah <clears throat> yeah somebody else was getting attention so you know well okay so getting enough i'm sitting here and i'll and i'll give you the hint like um while my opening monologue today for the show was inspired by you by pointing out to everybody that major league baseball is not baseball it is a form of baseball um yeah. i will fully ag- acknowledge the fact that and I think you know me to be reasonable as an Astros fan to know that I completely accept everything that they did and got punished for mm-hmm. while also still feeling like a scapegoat. For sure. Like we punish a team that looks, be honest, there's a, they have a million Facebook likes. Like that's it. Right. Does, does this feel like I'm a little bit more valid in that feeling or I, do I still need to kind of get over it? 
No, I mean, I, I think it's totally valid. Um, I, I think that fan anger at cheating is valid, but the way it's been portrayed as, as, as the Astros and even more as a couple of people on the Astros is just a load of crap. Um, it's not accurate. It's not true. Um, we know that other teams cheated too. We, we know that the Yankees did something. We know that the Red Sox got caught doing something a couple of times and, and they got punished a lot less severely than the Astros. Um, so, you know, and like, I'd like to believe that my team didn't cheat since they haven't been caught. And like, you know, you'd like to think that they would have done better if they had, you know? <laughs> uh, apparently, the, apparently the Rangers are another team that's been like completely mentioned. And I'm like, wow, y'all just supposed to really wow. suck at it. That, that's pretty sad. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if you look at the, the real deep dive research that's been done on the Astros and what they probably did and what the probable effects were of that, you know, maybe they did. And it probably didn't make that much of a difference. Um, it's still not right. No. And that's, I think the thing is, is me saying, look, Yankee fan, just quit acting like I'm Jack the Ripper when you right. did, like, let's all, if we're going to clean the game, let's clean the game. Um, yeah. Before we get out of here real quick, who are you wearing today? Who are you wearing? I'm wearing a, uh, so I'm wearing two collegiate league teams in honor of our episode. Uh, this is a uh, Duluth Huskies throwback hat. It's okay. a, a replica uh, 1953, I believe, um, Superior Blues hat, which was a, a lower level minor league team that played in Superior, Wisconsin okay. through the, uh, the 30s through the 50s. Eventually merged with the Duluth Dukes, who the Huskies like to call back to a lot. Okay. And I'm wearing my Rochester Honkers, who are my local uh, Northwoods League team. So Okay. Well, um, I, you know, thanks for watching Summer Catch. I think that it's still, for me, a top 10 baseball movie. From the bleachers, the Let's Get To Game of the Week. And it is our extreme privilege to welcome, for the first time on the show in video form, the voice of the Sugarland Skeeters, Ryan Posner. Ryan, how's it going, man? You guys are crazy down there in Sugarland. Yeah, you know, if you talked to me about two weeks ago, I would have said, you know, we're things are kind of light. We're hoping that we can get something going. And we had we had the big announcement last week, you know, that we're getting ready to play some baseball here at Constellation Field. Uh, which I mean, that's that's a big exciting new, uh, big exciting day. You know, we're looking forward to that. And man, my phone has not stopped ringing uh, since we made that announcement. So let's talk a little bit about the announcement because, um, you know, it's, it's been that way. Round Rock and uh, San Antonio are joining the Texas Collegiate League and the Northwoods League, the another Collegiate Wood League, they are creating pods. You guys aren't playing with college players. So exactly what's going to be happening in Sugarland? Yeah, so the goal is to have a four-team league that would have play every game out here in Sugarland. Each team would play 28 games. So um, I'm, I'm getting better at math as this goes on. So that would be 56 games in total. So each team with uh, 28 games and, you know, it would run from July 3rd to August 23rd. Um, we'll have games, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays with each team playing on a Saturday and Sunday. So double header, but not each team playing two games. Um, and I mean, the big thing obviously is the guy we got involved to start this and that's Roger Clemens. And he's been instrumental. I mean, him and Kobe Clemens are going to manage a team. Roger won't be here every game. will be here most games. And um, once we got Roger on board, that really started to get the league some, give us some legs, you know, to run on. And you can just imagine the amount of resources he has to help get this thing going as far as players he's helping to be a part of the league, you know, working on TV deals. And just overall, I mean, he just legitimizes everything. Um, and, I mean, his son, Casey Clemens, was unfortunately just released um, from the minor league. So he's hoping to be a part of this. Um, there's another big – couple big family names that are going to be a part of this that we hope to hopefully announce here pretty soon. But um, – I mean, it's just such a wonderful thing that we can do. And Roger's whole, you know, the reason he wanted, he came to us and asked us about this was, you know, like his son, there's so many people that should not be released right now that unfortunately are released in the minor leagues and looking for a job. And we have such a nice ballpark, such a nice facility. And 
we're hoping to put them to good use here and help some people out and also help ourselves out and get some baseball going. Yeah. And help me out. So I get another excuse to get down there and see you guys and invade your booth for a few innings. Um, couple things then you know obviously social distancing is a thing and in texas right now we're allowed to have 50 percent. do you guys know what percentage of the ballpark you're going to try to fill or is that going to ebb and flow yeah that's a, that's a good question um we can do 50 percent. we won't be doing that um we're going to still maintain social distancing that's a priority for us um you know we're lucky enough that texas is one of the states that's allowing for sporting events but we're not going to push the limit you know we want even even though we're going to kind of have people out here. Everybody's going to be six feet apart. Right now we're estimating about 25% capacity is what we'd be at. Um, just given we've kind of started retrofitting our ballpark even before all this, just on the chance that we'd have some baseball. Um, you know, we're working on things like having temperatures uh, for all the fans taken on their way in. Um, masks are going to be required to be worn once you are, once you walk into the ballpark. Now, once you get to your seat, you don't have to wear it, but like on the entryways, um, there are tons of protocols for players. A lot of them, you you know, you you've seen them when during spring training. They had players stop signing autographs. No sunflower seeds. No tobacco. You're gonna that, those will be part of our league as well. The players are gonna be tested for COVID on a weekly basis. We're gonna have Memorial Herman. They're gonna be a part of this, and their infectious disease team is gonna come in here. Um, they've already actually came and looked at the ballpark and did their own little site survey. Um, we're gonna follow their lead. I mean, we're obviously that's that's so out of our league. Whatever they tell us, you know, is gonna keep fans safe. Is we, we're gonna do it. Um, as excited as we are for baseball to be back, we can only do it if we do it the right way. Um, and we're meeting guidelines, not just from the state, but also just from the CDC. Like, we're gonna we're gonna make sure there's no stone left unturned. Um, and I mean, that's I'm happy that that's, that's the direction we're taking. I know, you know, there are some places that just open up and it's kind of just hope for the best. That's not going to be our strategy. We're going to make sure that if we open up, it's going to be safely and done correctly. I, I do think that's smart. I also think it's smart that you guys are limiting to the 25%. Things can ebb up, but they can also flow back. Um, I guess that's the right analogy. Um, yeah. One of the things that let, let's get down to the fun part now. So we're essentially going to have four baseball teams playing out a constellation field. Um, are, is one going to be the Skeeters and then three others? Are you going to go for a full rebrand? What's the strategy? That's a, that's a good question. And surprisingly, you know, I, I'm talking to a lot of players. That's one of the first questions they have too. Um, it's going to be a little bit of both. I mean, we're probably going to have at least one of the team wearing Skeeters uniforms. They're going to have the name Skeeters probably involved. We're working with Rawlings to kind of see if maybe they have something in storage that the uniforms are never used that they can send our way. I know um, Roger Clemens has – some pretty extensive ties, I believe Under Armour or um, some other brands. And he's going to probably have his own uniforms and it'll be his own team. So it'll be a little of both. Um, you can guarantee that you'll, you'll see one of these teams wearing Skeeters uniforms. I can, I can promise you that. Like we had, you know, new road uniforms we were hoping to the debut this year. We've got our black alternate uniform, our white home and our blue. Um, and we also had tons of specialty jerseys, which we have, we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do with those exactly um, that we were ready to go out this year. So, um, yeah, I guess long story short, it, it'll be Skeeters, but expect there to also be some other rebranding um, to it as well. And I guess it does come back down to the, the promotions. I mean, that's a big reason why people come out to the ballpark. Are you going to try to keep that calendar as much as possible and just, you know, that sort of thing? I mean, it, it's, such a, it's such a weird situation you guys are in to kind of figure out how to navigate. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. And it, that's one of the biggest bummers is this was going to be, you know, from a promotional standpoint, one of our best years, something we started planning for all the way back to last October. And I mean, if you ask our president, Chris, Hill, he's probably was planning it to like that last April, you know, he's starting to think of different things for 2020. Um, so it's a bummer, but we're going to try to, we're definitely going to have a promo schedule, like things that we were intending to give away. There will be some of them given away. They're kind of working on what exactly we will give away and what we won't. Um, given that we will have missed half a season by the start, by the time we start this. Um, but yeah, you can guarantee that there will be giveaways on Friday night games like there normally would be. Um, but it's probably going to be different as far as like, whatever we had ready to give away on July 4th, which July 4th is going to be, we'd have, we're going to have Booker T out here and we were planning on having a big fireworks show. I don't know if we'll have all that, but right. um, yeah, just definitely keep stay in line with our social media pages. That'd be the best way. And, and we'll have some announcements going up for that. And when do we get a first pitch? Do you guys have a date yet? Uh, July 3rd is what we're hoping to get the first game going. The players are supposed to be out here on June 29th, so that's a Monday and July 3rd being the Friday. And, yeah, I mean, the goal is to have, have that first game on July 3rd. I mean, that's – I know at one point that's – that was Major League Baseball's goal was to get, thing going, get things going on July 4th, and that's obviously not happening. But 
Um, that's our plan now. And I mean, what better way to start a baseball season? I mean, oh, wish it was earlier, but if you have to start it on, on any other weekend, July 4th seems a good place to start. Well, Ryan, we look forward to getting out to Constellation Field. I look forward to seeing you, hanging out in the booth with you. Uh, thanks so yeah, much man. for jumping on. Let's get to you, man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having us. And yeah, looking forward to seeing you out here. Welcome to Let's Get To Unboxed. So welcome to Let's Get To Unboxed. And we have got some fun stuff going on today. And, you know, I, I want to send this shout out, send a dedication of this segment to my film husband, Cedric Thomas Smith, one of the best people that I know. But he and my wife were talking, I don't remember if it was over text or over social media about, you know, we're all kind of quarantined with the Rona and we're just ordering stuff and we're getting things. And he joked about having a 60 pound bowl of Skittles being delivered to his house from Amazon. And I didn't say a whole lot because I knew that I have boxes coming from at this point, cities and leagues. I don't even remember. And basically within a four day period, I got two boxes in, I mean, from Round Rock, from, from a 30 minute drive away. So I do want to dive into this stuff, including an item that I'll be honest, I don't remember ordering, but that's because that's the Rona. And I, I, I know, I think I had been on a Zoom happy hour and saw that Round Rock had a sale and uh, I knew there was one item I wanted. So that I kind of remembered. And I just said, here we go, buddy. But I want to start out with what I got in most recently. We're going to be speaking to Andrew Feltz in the next segment about the Round Rock Harry Man. And he's going to tell us all about the legend and all about what collegiate summer league baseball is going to look like out at the Dell Diamond this summer. But I just love the hat. I love that it's embrace of the state of Texas, the Harry Man look with the Texas flag. And then we got a couple of t-shirts as well. Jessica got a nice bright green one with the cool Harry Man logo. And I, of course, went with the Astros orange shirt. Uh, dig that look so much. And I love that it says socially distancing before it was cool. So again, we'll hear a little bit about the Harry Man legend from Andrew Feltz in our next segment to kind of fill that in. But before that, I had ordered a box from, from uh, the Round Rock Express. And this is and contained an item I don't remember ordering. I mean, hand to God. Um, and, and I know the mindset I was in because whenever I'm, whenever I'm ordering stuff, if I see a deal and I think it was like over a certain amount, you get free shipping. I, um, I channel my father-in-law and I think to myself, well, I just can't afford not to get it. I don't think he would look at it that way, but that's certainly the excuse I'm using. So I'll start with the Round Rock Express snapback when, with the, the new logo, the re, kind of the redone logo for last year. I actually never got anything with this logo on it because I was so enamored with the 20th anniversary logo they had last year, the state of Texas with the Astros color sunrise and the, and the Round Rock look. I also got a really cool 70s style Round Rock Express t-shirt just for like everyday wear. And then I got the Rojo Johnson Round Rock Express t-shirt. The Rojo Johnson thing is so special to me because back when the when the Round Rock Express were the Astros Farm Club the first time, there was this talk of Rojo Johnson coming for like a week. And it was Really good viral marketing at a time when that wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. There were grainy videos of this picture, I think both on the Round Rock website and on the Astros website. And I had to go check this out. It turns out it was Will Ferrell. You can Google videos of it, but he came out through a pitched ridiculous mustache, six pack of beer, ended up in a beer fight on the hill. It was it was so much fun, so minor league baseball. In many ways, kind of my first introduction into what minor league baseball really is, this sort of fun, um, laid back environment. So it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. But I also ordered something else. And for some reason, in whatever state I was in, I felt like I needed, I guess it's a Round Rock Express Santa Claus on vacation statue. So he's got a Round Rock Express hat and his big fat tummy's got express sort of sunburned in it. I'll be honest. I don't know what I was thinking when I ordered this, but I'm so glad that I did. It's going to look great up here on the shelf. We'll find a better place for that later. So yeah, again, we're going to have Andrew Feltz on in the next segment to talk all things Round Rock Harry Man. 
Who's on first? The Let's Get To Team of the Week. All right, so we're ex- excited to welcome to our Team of the Week, the Round Rock Harry men, and as uh, as we're always excited to have, I, I I named the calendar invite an interview with the man himself, Andrew Effing Feltz. How's it going, man? How's it? Go- uh, welcome to the show on video for the first time. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me as always. And yeah, that was a, a heck of an introduction. I was pretty excited when I, I got that email. It's like, all right, this is going to be a good interview. We're going to have a good time. You know, you and I have, uh, the funny thing about this Harry Man announcement was, uh, you know, I'm on the distro list and it read really ominous. And I think I wrote, this sounds ominous. And you said, it's not as bad as it sounds. Talk to me a little bit about how you guys got the decision to partner up with the Texas Collegiate League. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's, there's five, five other or five total clubs in minor league baseball that are, they're going to be joining the, the Texas collegiate league on a, an interim basis for the 2020 season. And uh, we were approached by some of our colleagues at San Antonio and Amarillo and Frisco and, you know, guys that we worked with across minor league baseball, it's one big family, you know, and they had been kind of communicating with the TCL and saying, you know, this is a possibility. Would this be something that you guys are interested in? And, uh, you know, we kind of thought about it and you look at, at what this league is, what it does, developing collegiate talent. You talk about how much college talent there is in central Texas um, within, you know, 90 miles of Bill Diamond. And at the end of the day, our kind of thing was we exist, our organization exists, our staff, the reason we get up every morning is, is to be able to provide baseball to central Texas and to Round Rock and to this community. And, you know, you have all the back and forth between the owners and the players and minor league baseball is kind of in limbo. And, you know, all, every, all 160 teams across the country are in the same boat. And, you know, we don't know if we're going to play, when we're going to play, what that's going to look like, the parameters. And so we had this TCL opportunity come about and we really sat down and looked at it and said, you know, this is an avenue for us to be able to do what we do best, provide the game of baseball to the city of Round Rock, uh, have folks out, do it socially distant, do it safe, cheer on some some local college kids and really just have some fun and, and make the most of the situation that we're all kind of stuck in right now. One of the ways you guys are kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, steering into the skid um, is you guys were going to be the hairy men a couple of times this year anyway. First of all, I promised on the, in the previous segment that you would explain the legend of the Round Rock Hairy Man. Yeah, of course. It's, uh, this is something that we've been working on for a couple of years. We've been really excited to put this together. And like you said, we were going to do a what could have been night, uh, be the hairy man instead of the Express for, for a couple of nights this year. But going back to the legend, of course, this area of the state, Round Rock, you know, our, the name of our city is named after a literal round rock that's in Brushy Creek that the settlers would come through. And the legend was, if you could see the rock, it was safe to cross with the wagons. If the rock was underwater, maybe not so safe, maybe you find a new route. But um, part of this kind of legend and, and that whole story and, and again, the geography and the, the history of the pioneers coming through Texas and the cattle drives from Kansas all the way down through uh, through this area, there's a legend that a family was, was riding through on their wagon, a young boy was in the back of the wagon, hit a bump, what have you. He fell out. They keep going, get to where they're going. They don't realize the kid's gone. Um, so the legend is this, this kid grows up, kind of, <laughs> uh, you know, grows into this hairy kind of hermit type guy. He's living in the trees. He's uh, scaring, you know, the carriages as they come through. And kind of the, the lore of this was he was, he would sit up in the treetops um, and if you're familiar with, with Round Rock in this area, there's actually a road on the northwest side of town called Harry Man Road. And it's, it's a beautiful stretch of road if you've never been, but the trees kind of come up and cover the road. And so the story was he would sit up in these treetops and kind of drag his feet or he'd bang on the tops of these carriages. Well, one day he, he fell out of the tree, was trampled by the, the carriage that was going through. And now it's kind of, he haunts this road and uh, it's this, this urban legend. So we worked with our great partners over at Brandios to kind of bring this to life and what a jerseys look like, what a hats look like. And, you know, like you said, steering into the skid, we already had jerseys, hats, the branding, all that stuff on hand. And so it was really tur- like turnkey for us just to be able to apply those brandings and those marks to this TCL team. And at the end of the day, to get the story out too, and to kind of educate a lot of people, I think that live in Round Rock, maybe have heard of it or like, Oh, I know there's Harry Man Road and it's kind of this Sasquatch thing. We're not really sure. Um, so for us to be able to get to tell that story 15 times over the course of a month, uh, right. season is going to be really fun. I'll tell you the cool thing for me, for me about it is I'm a history guy, um, by education and 
there is this assumption in Austin that Round Rock is purely there to serve people who don't want to live in Austin and don't realize <laughs> that it's a town with its own history and its own kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing too, how much the city has grown in the last four five, six years. Uh, and it is, it's, 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 like you said, it's close to Austin. It's a suburb. It's, you know, we share population and people going back and forth and what have you, but it is, it's also its own city. We have Austin downtown, a lot of great local businesses. I mean, it, it all, everything that goes to the express and kind of what we're about and being round rock and supporting this community. It's uh, I love it. It's a great place to live. You're close enough to Austin if you need to run downtown and, and be in a big city vibe, but it's also a little bit more laid back. It's, it's a great place to live, great place to have a family and said uh, to be able to play baseball every year. And we're excited that you guys brought it back. Now, you know, we're obviously it's COVID time. So social distancing is a thing. I noticed in the press release that you guys are going to limit it to 25%. Um, I think that's probably smart because the government, you know, who knows what's going to ebb and flow. So what's it going to look like? I know I'm getting ready to buy my tickets. What's it going to look like when people purchase tickets and get out there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, of course, not just with the TCL season, but everything that we do at Delta Diamond, even normal circumstances, the safety of our fans, make sure those folks feel comfortable. If you don't feel safe going out to the ball game under any circumstances, you know, that's, that's not, that's not what we're about. So we did, we spent a lot of time um, and really this started in March with we're not knowing how minor league baseball is going to proceed, but we wanted to have a plan in place for 25%, for 50%, for 75%, just different contingency plans based on the government's recommendations. Uh, Greg Abbott has been, has been great from the governor's office, really giving de- detailed step-by-step instructions, what you need to do, what best practices are, what the CDC recommendations are. And so from a practical standpoint, what we've decided to do with, we've got about 8,300, 8,200 fixed seats within Dell Diamond. So I know that sports venues in Texas can operate at up to 50%. We kind of looked at that and with our seating configuration, with the way it's set up, we think closer to the 25% makes a lot more sense um, from a public safe, public health health standpoint. Um, So from a practical level, kind of what we've done is we've taken each section inside the ballpark and, you know, each section is a little bit different. Some of them are angled toward the field. Some have smaller seats or fewer number of seats, I should say. Right. Uh, but we've divided up our seating bowl into basically sections of little chunks of maybe two seats, four seats, six seats, um, all throughout the ballpark. Every other row uh, is unavailable. The middles of the rows are unavailable. We're trying to avoid people, you know, getting up to buy a beer or getting up to go to the bathroom and crossing in front of another party. Uh, but we still want, you know, a family of four, a family of six, what have you, to come out and be able to sit together. If they feel comfortable. They're not going to have somebody in the row in front of them. They're not going to have somebody in the row behind them. They're not going to have somebody to their left that's going to cross through. So um, there's a lot of a lot of planning, a lot of kind of reconfiguring of the seating bowl. We've got seats blocked off on our ticket manifesto. We know we're working with our operations folks on how to best kind of block seats. Maybe it's rope, maybe it's zip ties that um, kind of, you know, encourage that social distancing. And, um, you know, the other part that goes into it, too, is, is entry and exit from the ballpark, using all of our stadium gates, having one way. Uh, one-way path in, one-way path out, so that people aren't trying to congregate in the line and encouraging people based on where your seats are to use the different gates, use the right. third base, use the don't everybody come swarm home plate. Same thing with concession stands, encouraging social distancing there, kind of having one-way path in, wait for your food, one-way path out. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, the safety and the comfort is 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 paramount for us. And if, like I said, if you don't feel comfortable, you're you're not going to come back and you're not going to want to support this. So that's what we're all about. And at the end of the day, we want to provide an opportunity for folks that feel safe, that feel comfortable to go out, watch a baseball game, do it safely, uh, follow the rules. I mean, that, that whole thing. So are y'all encouraging masks and stuff or. Again, yeah, we, I think that's, that's uh, really up to the, to the, the fan. Uh, if they feel comfortable, yeah. doing it, absolutely. We encourage it. We think that's great. Um, we understand it's outside. It's going to be July and August. It's going to be oh, man. Yeah. what have you. So um, again, how the, how are those folks feel comfortable and, um, Again, being able to lean on Williamson County, the city of Round Rock, the Texas governor's office on, on their guidelines, their recommendations, I think has been a, a huge asset for us because there's just so much unknown for, for everybody. Uh, I mean, it's not just sports and the entertainment industry. It's movie theaters and restaurants. And it's yeah. figuring this out together and what makes sense and what's what's the safest route to go. Yeah, we're struggling with our festival in September. We're kind of in this weird what do we do? Um, last question then, you know, but you guys are about the family fun and the entertainment. Are y'all going to be able to have some of the same promotions, bark in the park, that kind of thing, or are y'all going to just sort of adjusting that stuff? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So it will not look 
like a traditional express promotional calendar. Again, a lot of it goes down to the capacity inside the ballpark. Um, you, the, the biggest one that people talk about is fireworks. You know, does it make sense for us financially to have fireworks every Friday night if, if it's going to be a lot more difficult for us to recoup that cost? And so that's something we're looking at. Same thing with a lot of your, your um, food and beverage promo nights where you have a lot of uh, overhead with ordering the packaged product. And, you know, does it make sense to discount those? It's kind of a, a, a you know, very unique circumstance for us where our inventory of number of games, number of tickets, number it's just, it's just a whole new ball game. Um, but with that being said, yeah, Bark in the Park, we're planning on, on hosting that in some capacity. Of course, it's natural tie in there with, you know, dogs and, and the hairy men and the whole thing. Yeah. We've looked at too. We have a lot of our inventory of giveaways that were scheduled for 2020. So maybe it's, do we pull a, a fraction of that inventory and use it toward the TCL season? Of course, we're going to honor all of our theme nights that were announced and were planned, whether it be, whether there is some sort of MILB in 2020, if not, we're going to kick that to 2021. So sure. do quantities and that kind of stuff. Um, and of course I know on the merchandise side too, we've had a lot of fun uh, with Brandios and with Viatrain putting together different t-shirts and maybe there's some sort of giveaway we can do uh, from a merch standpoint, but pretty much everything's on the tables. Like if it makes sense for us financially, if it's going to get folks out and, and support the hairy men then all about it. But um yeah, a lot of work in progress. A lot of stuff we're going to be announcing over the next couple of days and weeks as we as we figure this out. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for jumping on with us. I know that you are a busy guy. I, I got your email from the the press release right before you jumped on. So thanks for being on Let's Get To, and we will see you out at the ballpark. Absolutely, James. Thanks for having me, man. Baseball's back. Let's do it. And now on to close it out the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. That does wrap us up. We'll be jumping off of here and going to watch a little bit of Northwoods League Baseball. I'll leave a link in the description of this podcast. I hope you check it out. I really can't wait for tonight. We're going we're gonna to get some hot dogs made. We're going to do it upright. But I do want to talk about a subject that at least one fan base in this uh, Major League Baseball universe that we live in thinks should actually be the topic of every baseball podcast, the New York Yankees. Now, those of you who who maybe uh, don't live under a rock should be aware that the Yankees were apparently ordered by a judge to unseal a letter that would, and I paraphrase, cause great damage to the reputation of the New York Yankees. Now, this is the part where Yankee fan is going to think that I am going to put on my best dancing shoes and tap dance on the reputation. And here's what I would say to that. There's nothing I hate more as a human trait than hypocrisy mixed with smugness. And that is the way Astros fans have been treated since the sign-stealing scandal came out with hypocrisy and smugness. Go back to the original athletic report, and it was clear by Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich that this was a league-wide problem, not an Astros problem. But of course, because the Astros are a team that had a combination of being, one, fairly unpopular on the national scale, and two, had a general manager that most people agree is kind of a dick, and therefore a player actually flipped, the narrative became the Astros invented cheating, probably had something to do with the Holocaust, and are generally speaking one of the worst collections of human beings ever put put together. Now, Yankee fan has a problem, and the problem is is that there's a sense of entitlement and and I think also a... um, Again, a sense of smug hypocrisy. Yankee fan wants to say that the report that the commissioner put out about the Astros is gospel, except for the part that don't fit their narrative, i.e., well, we talked about 19, but I believe there are buzzers. Yankee fan believes that the athletic is gospel when it says the Astros cheated. Yankee fan believes that the athletic is gospel when they say the Red Sox cheated. The Yankee fan, when they see that the that the athletic says that the Yankees cheated, fake news. It's the worst fake news ever. Come on, guys. Baseball has been a sport 
where everybody has cheated since the sports the sport started. It just is. And you know, I, I've always thought that the whole way the way sign stealing being illegal. I always thought that it was BS anyway, because all it is is miles and miles of gray. When the simple solution is change the way we deliver signs or change your signs up every inning. And as you would see with the Astros results at the end of 2017, when teams figured out that they were stealing signs, they just, uh, they, their, their OPS went down, particularly at home. And it actually, because they were looking for a pitch that wasn't coming. Like you can combat this. But the the idea of the way Yankee fans are acting on Twitter, again, smug hypocrisy, and it's one of our worst traits. It's probably the trait that holds us back the most as humans. But what about the Astros? Why are they saying anything? They shouldn't. And I was like, listen, you know, you're right. If Astros fan wants to go at Yankee fan by somehow acting aggrieved that the concept that the ask that the Yankees were cheating, particularly in 15 and 16, which we know about because we know from the report that again, according to Yankee fan is sometimes gospel that Carlos Beltran got it from a team he was at before when he was struggling. The team he was at before was the Yankees. Astros fan can't do that. You can't stand on the ground of, of look how aggrieved we are because they cheated. Because Jim Crane admitted the Astros cheated, and he also turned in evidence that eight other teams were che- and was assured by man fraud that they'd be investigated. The Red Sox were the Red Sox players learned a lesson: if you don't talk, nothing happens. They saw Hinch get fired and Luno get fired, and most players like their manager. I don't think Mike Fires wanted AJ Hinch fired. We know the Yankees were already busted in seventeen. For talking on a bullpen. What were they doing on the bullpen phone? Ask John McClain. No fucking shit, lady. I'm not ordering a pizza. But Astros fans can't be aggrieved by the Yankees cheating. Because it's, hypocr- it's hypocritical and it's smug. You know what you can do? You can pile on. You can mock them for basically living in a glass house and throwing stones back in January. When you already are from an organization that had already broken the rules previously with steroids and had already been accused in 17, the idea that Yankee fan and Dodger fan and Red Sox fan would act as if every Astros fan and player should commit Harry Carey for violating the, like the classy individual Mike Clevenger said, the integrity of the game. Was this before or after he kicked out his, his girlfriend and infant child? I can't remember. Class. So, yeah, um... Astros fan, you can mock them for their smugness before. Go ahead. I think Carlos Correa won the internet for the year by mocking, directly quoting Aaron Judge's wait, what tweet? Yeah, go for it. That's the world we live in and it sucks. And it's got to the point where I have deleted social media off my off my phone. And I just go on a computer when I'm like, okay, today is the day I can handle you people. You people. Um, and the fact of the matter is, of course, this is a, this is a very tongue in cheek ending, right? Because it's all dumb. I think we're 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 being super petty about all of it. And the reality is, baseball's always been about bending the rules, trying to find a competitive advantage because the game is so hard. So just own that. Just own it, and and. Embrace it. And, you know, Clayton Kershaw said in game five of 2017, he didn't change the signs at all. Why? Everybody changes their signs every every five seconds. You know, so I don't know what this Yankee letter is going to show. I don't think it'll show anything. I think we have we have already developed and shown on this this show that the Major League Baseball has no interest or really ability to um, damage at least the three key brands. We saw it with the Red Sox investigation. Cora masterminded cheating in Houston and then was a choir boy when he went to the Red Sox. Come on, guys. The Joe Girardi clip about we get into the hit, hit, hitter, hitter. The fact is, 
we we would probably feel a lot better and sleep a lot better if we just weren't being smug and hypocritical about things. I definitely try not to do that on this show. I will continue to not do that on this show. I I will do my best to not take delight in it, but there's nothing better than seeing someone come out holier than thou and get taken down a notch. If that weren't the case, we wouldn't laugh at every single Republican senator who gets caught in a homosexual affair. Fact. So that does wrap us up. I'm going to, to to log this off, get this exported, and I'm going to go watch some Northwoods League baseball. So until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and let's get to it.